Good morning, welcome to Jubilee Church. It's great to have you here this morning. Uh, my name's Dan Fryer. I'm part of the leadership team. Um, hello. hello. This morning, if you're up there, sorry, I sometimes forget. But especially if you're right up at the top, I definitely forget. But nice to see you up there. And um, it's, it's great to, um, to be with you today and to be sharing. Um, if you know that, um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been exploring uh, the book of Daniel that's found in the Old Testament uh, in a series called Living in Exile. Um, if you're new, if this is your first time with us today, then we're looking at the story of, of four men who find themselves removed from their homeland of Jerusalem and living in a foreign land in uh, Babylon. And there is this pressure on them to conform. Right at the start of the, the book, we find that they, uh, this group of that, well, they're teenagers uh, are there, and there's this pressure for them to conform to the world around them, uh, to compromise their faith in God, and to, follow, and to stop following his ways, and to follow the ways of the land they find themselves. Um, and as, as Christians, uh, we are, the Bible tells us we're citizens of heaven. We belong to the, the kingdom of God in which Jesus is king. And yet, the way of the world, uh, well, the world worships all kinds of things other than Jesus. And um, we all worship something. And whatever we worship shapes the person that we become. Whether we worship career or fame or popularity or family or pleasure, these things all will shape the person we become. But as followers of Jesus, he should be our focus of our worship. That when he is on the throne of our life, when we are submitting to him as king, then we become like him. And, and following Jesus is, is not easy because we find, like the men that we read about in the book of Daniel, that often the way of the world is often at odds to the way of the kingdom. That following Jesus, having him as king of our lives, will cause us issues because it will mean that we live with different priorities, with different convictions, with different affections to that of the world. And, and if we find that, that living as a Christian doesn't cause us to be misunderstood, to be rejected, doesn't cause us pain or at least discomfort, then, then maybe we'll find that we're not actually following Jesus, that we have compromised and we're not living the way of the kingdom. And we've seen these issues that Daniel and his, and his friends encounter in the first half of the book of Daniel. Last, and, and then last week I looked at chapters uh, 7 and 8 in which we've seen these dreams and these visions that, that Daniel receives. Um, and these dreams are given to remind Daniel that no, no matter what is happening, God is in control. That as he faces all of these hardships, there is a day coming when Jesus makes all things new. Uh, that the pain and the hardship that they experience will be finished and it will be worth them pressing in, digging in, not compromising. Uh, and wh what happened was when we saw right at the end of chapter 8, if you weren't with us, what happens is we see Daniel, he sees the state of the world and it says that he, he had uh, great pain. He was in anguish. He looked at the state of the world and he was just, he, he really was struggling. And it, and it, say, it tells us that he got up, he is reminded that God is in control, that God is working, and it tells us that Daniel got up and he went about the king's business. Do you remember that last week, end of chapter 8, Daniel gets up and goes about the king's business. And my challenge to each of us last week was that to, if we live with our eyes fixed on Jesus and our hope in eternity, then we are to be the most hopeful person that walks into every room that we go into. 
that we can be the most hope-filled person in every room because our eyes are fixed on Jesus and eternity. And I know even saying that, that's not an easy thing to do because actually the, the, the world's in a bit of a state. And yet, it is possible, I think Daniel makes it possible for us to find out how do we do that? How do we live as the most hopeful people in every room that we walk into? And that's what I want to look at today. I believe Daniel shows us in chapter 9, I believe we can learn a lot. And so the stats, so we're just going to be in Daniel 9. Uh, if you've got a Bible here in front of you or a phone with a Bible on, you might want to pull it up. Uh, Daniel uh, chapter 9, I'm going to start reading one and, verses 1 and 2, but then we're going to, uh, we're going to kind of go through it as we go. It says this, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from Scripture, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel has been reading the writings of, of Jeremiah, a prophet, who receives this insight or prophecy from God. And it helps him understand the, the current times and the future to come. Jeremiah has been writing about exile, and God has spoken to him a couple of times about the end of exile for God's people. Uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 25, and again in Jeremiah 29, because in Jeremiah 29, verse 10, we read, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Daniel becomes aware that these 70 years that Jeremiah is speaking of, they're nearly up. And so this is the first lesson from exile, is knowing scripture will anchor you even in storms. Because, you know, I love encountering God. I love his presence. I love those moments when, when I feel like God draws near to me through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love those moments in worship when I just get caught up in the bigger picture of what God is doing. But if we rely solely on experience, then we'll have a very shallow faith. If we rely on mountaintop moments, if we rely on worship times to fuel our spiritual life, the problem, the problem with that is when we feel close to God, everything will be fine. But when issues come, or when we feel God is quiet or distant, or we don't feel intimate, then our faith gets rocked. When exile is tough, knowing the promises of Scripture and what God has planned for those who love him will give us hope and a peace which transcends all understanding. I don't have to pretend I know why things are happening. I don't have to be happy experiencing them, but I can trust that God has promised a future for me, a great future, and one day it will be fulfilled. When you are living through a, a cancer diagnosis, you can have hope because you know there is a day coming when there will be no more death. You know, when you're struggling with depression and you can't seem to see the end, you can have hope because you, and you know there is a day coming when there'll be no more pain. When you're feeling the pain of rejection or abandonment, you can have hope because you know that there is a day coming when there will be no more mourning. And I don't want you to be scared by the idea of knowing Scripture. You know, for some of us, reading is not easy. And even if you're able to read, understanding the Bible is a whole other matter. But my encouragement today is to start with something. You don't have to commit to reading the Bible in a year. But maybe aim to pick up the Gospels. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read about the life of Jesus. Just a little bit of the story every day. Now, there's so many tools to help you. If you struggle to read, pick up an audio Bible. You can, there's loads of apps that you can get on a phone. Pick up a commentary if you want to understand more. Maybe you could meet up with someone in the church and just read a little bit of Scripture each week. Daniel realizes that these 70 years are coming to an end. And so this is how he responds. Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition and in fasting, in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel realizes the 70 years of exile are coming to an end and he pleads with God, will you be faithful? Will you end this exile that you have promised to end? It is knowing God's word that Daniel can pray. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God answers prayers when we understand his will. How do we know his will? By understanding God's word. Prayer flows from the word. As scripture saturates us, it changes our thinking and then we are able to pray in line with God's will. I know that I can often make my own decisions and then I'll pray, God, would you bless what I've already decided? Anyone ever do that? You know, sometimes our prayer meetings can seem more like a presentation of a wish list before God. Sometimes our contributions on a Sunday are more about us and our own feelings rather than God and what he has done. Now, God wants us to ask him to supply for our needs. He wants to partner with us. He wants to work in and through us. He wants to use our stories as a testimony of his goodness. But if we want to know God, if we want to know what he is doing, want to know how he works, then we will find that primarily in Scripture. That's the primary way that God reveals himself to his people. I believe that God speaks through circumstances, through feelings, through other people, through prophecy and the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. But these things are always weighed against Scripture. The Bible is our ultimate authority. And so this is what Daniel prays. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. The Lord, and, the Lord great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant to, of, his, of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Daniel has his eyes set on the future. He has his head in the word and he has his heart set on prayer. He confesses the sins of the people. Living in exile has caused compromise, and Daniel asks for forgiveness. You know, as we have explored this book, I know that God has brought conviction. I know this because I've spoken to people and you've told me. I also know because I've been convicted. I've become aware how sometimes I water down my faith in order to be more acceptable in the world's eyes. At times, I fear more of the world's opinion of me than I fear God. That I can shrink back in sharing my faith because I I fear rejection or fear causing offence. And I know God has highlighted to us, to many of us, the way that we reflect, the way in some of our areas of our lives, we reflect more the way of the world than we do the way of the kingdom. Now, God doesn't bring conviction to cause condemnation. 
God does not highlight areas of our lives where we are sinning or where, you know, where we are messing up so we can walk around feeling like a failure. He highlights it because he's inviting us into the process of sanctification. Sanctification is that process of being made more like Jesus. Let us respond like Daniel to confess our sins and find forgiveness that Christ brings. I want to jump down to verse 9. He says, The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Daniel could approach God with confidence because he knows what his God is like. If you're feeling like a failure today, maybe you you're new to church, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you just feel like, I, I want to give my life to Jesus, but you don't realize quite what a mess I've made of life. You need to know that today he comes as one who is merciful and forgiving. You know, Daniel starts with confession. He pleads on behalf of his people that God would end this period of exile. In verse 18, we read him say this, Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make these requests because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act. For, the sake, for your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. God answering our prayers is not reliant on our performance. It says this, we do not make our requests because you are righteous, but because of your great mercy. God's activity in our city, in our region, in this nation, is not reliant on how well we do as his followers. It is about his mercy. Why does he use a dysfunctional, messy family like us to advance his kingdom in our city? Surely he would be better recruiting someone else. Why would Jesus, in scripture, we read about him choosing this random bunch of misfits to be his disciples? Why would he call someone like Zacchaeus down to give up his life of crime and to follow Jesus? Why would he take Saul and make it from a, being a persecutor of the church to be a, a church planter? Why would he take any of us and make us his ambassadors. I think it's so that when people see what God is doing in and through us, God would get the glory. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For our weakness, God demonstrates his strength so that he gets the glory. Daniel prays, and, and as he prays, this angel appears. And he, this angel helps Daniel understand the times he is living. And we read in verse 21, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. 
as we come before God in prayer, we can expect him to give us insight. You know, we're living in crazy times. And there are all kinds of speculation about why things are happening. You can go on the internet this afternoon and you can read a lot of crazy Christians telling you exactly why things are happening. Claiming special insight. Now we're not to become spiritual investigators. But we also don't want to miss what God is saying. God is speaking at this time. And we want that prophetic gift to help us understand so that we know how to respond. You know, this church has been built on the foundations of God speaking to his people. Helping us see what he is doing. God spoke to Steve and Joe Whittington. They moved to the city in 2006 to start the church. Key decisions in the life of the church have been made because God has spoken. I am here because God called me back to the city and led me to give up any career plans I had and start working for the church. We need to hear God at this time to help us understand what is happening, to see where the enemy is working and to see what God is doing so that we can get involved. I believe that in moments of uncertainty, when the world seems in chaos, God is calling his church to turn down the noise of the world and tune into his voice. I don't want to be a church that does things because they are good ideas. I want us to be a church that do things because they are God's ideas. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we're going to miss here. Sometimes we'll do too much in our own strength. Sometimes we will, uh, you know, we'll take our eyes off what God is doing and forget what he originally said and went off in our own direction. But I never want us to stop hearing God's voice and stepping out in faith. Fear paralyzes us. Faith moves us into action. And sometimes God will speak through someone in the church. Sometimes it will be an outside voice, and that's why we need others. That's why we're part of something bigger in regions beyond, because we need other people to speak into our lives, because we recognize that we only hear in part. The angel Gabriel reveals that there will be 77s, and during this time there will be an end to the sin and atonement for wickedness. Daniel has prayed for forgiveness from sin. And God has promised that he will take care of the sins of his people. Here, God has something bigger in mind than Daniel has planned. Daniel is thinking about forgiveness for Israel's sin and rebellion. God is concerned about getting rid of sin and rebellion altogether. Daniel is concerned about getting out of Babylon. God is concerned with creating a new heavens and a new earth. Daniel is thinking about getting back to Jerusalem and being in God's holy place. God is concerned about establishing his kingdom throughout the whole earth. God's plans are bigger than ours. When we come before God in prayer, don't be surprised when God expands our vision further than we saw before. You know, when we pray for that unsafe unsafe person and God gives us a vision to reach a whole family, when we pray for the, uh, our street and God gives us a vision for the whole neighborhood. When we pray for a city and God gives us a vision for a nation. And again, this is not reliant on us. Matthew 17, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. We don't need to be full of faith for God to move. Daniel's people are in exile, and Daniel is praying for exile to end. 
I just love this that, you know, verse 21, just a little bit, you know, we said, I read it earlier on, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. I find that really interesting that this is about 70 years after Dan, for Daniel's been in exile about 70 years. He's an old man now. And yet, Daniel is praying, as he did, as we found him in the earlier chapters. Remember, he ends up in the lion's den because he's praying to God. 70 years or so later, Daniel is still fixing his eyes on prayer. He still has this unwavering hope that God will act and do as he's promised. I believe even today there's some of you here who just feel like, I have given myself to this. I have prayed and I have asked God to move and I have not seen anything. Maybe people are saying, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been having faith for this and yet there's no evidence. Or I've been gritting my teeth and getting through these situations and maybe people have even been giving you prophetic words and saying, God, is, this is going to be your year of breakthrough and this is your 50th year of waiting for breakthrough. Daniel here says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Still, he's still got his eyes fixed on Jesus saying, no, no, God will fulfill what he has said he will do. He is in exile, praying for exile to end. You know, we are in exile. That's what we've been talking about. We can rightly pray for Christ to return and an end to the exile that we are living in. We can pray that God will help us remain faithful in exile. That's what this whole series has been about. How can we live a life faithful to Jesus without compromising? But you know what? God has more for us than just surviving exile. Jesus spends his time on earth inviting people to follow him and showing them what the kingdom looks like in action. He dies on the cross and three days later, he, as he predicted, he, he rises from the dead and he appears to a number of his disciples and then he is taken up to heaven. Before he dies... He spends time with his disciples, equipping and training them. And just before his death, we read in John 16, 33, Jesus is explaining things to his disciples, and he says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This message is important in exile. As we are in moments of exile, as we live in a time of such hopelessness and despair, know that one day Christ will return and make all things new. Remember that. But then what happens is we see in, in the Gospels that Christ is raised from the dead. He appears to his disciples, but his message is not one of survival. He doesn't tell them how to survive. He doesn't say, right, now guys, I, I, I'm, I'm going back to up to heaven one day I'm going to make all things new, so if you just kind of survive, just grit your teeth and survive, don't worry, it gets better. That's not what he says. He doesn't have survival mode in mind. Matthew 28, this is what he says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus has something different in mind than surviving exile. 
Jesus calls us to carry his presence everywhere we go, to be his ambassadors and to show people what the kingdom looks like in action and then invite them to encounter this king. Jesus in Matthew 24 says, and this is the king, gospel of the kingdom, will be, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There is a promise in scripture, there will be an end to exile. But first, we need to carry this message of the kingdom to all nations. You know, we have a city, we have a region, we have a nation and the nations who need to hear the good news of the kingdom. That there is one who died on a cross for their sins so that they could come back into relationship with their creator. We have the message of hope. Will we share it? Do we live in survival mode or do we confidently carry a message of hope into a broken world? We believe that God has many in this city that he wants to save. I don't believe that this city has been forgotten by God. I don't believe that this city is always destined to be one of the most unreached cities in this nation with the gospel. I don't believe that God has forgotten about places like Hazel Road and places like Orchard Park and about Barton and Hedden and Wivensea. No, he is inviting us to share the good news of the gospel with our city and beyond. Some of us are going to be called elsewhere, other towns and cities, maybe to Trinity Church Zomba, our newest church plant in, happening in Malawi, maybe over to, to Europe, to, to France, to Belgium, to Latvia. The despair of living in exile, coupled with the hope of the future, drove Daniel to prayer. If this moment of exile doesn't drive us to our knees in prayer, if the state of this world does not drive us to our knees in prayer, I'm not sure if anything else will. I think there is a moment that we are in where the church needs to respond by crying out to God in prayer. Because I believe as we pray, as we pray God wants to break our hearts afresh for those living outside the kingdom. To be moved with compassion for the lost which would stare us into action.